You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. So the title of tonight's message is Better Because of Trouble. And I thought about that so many times. That I, so many titles, if you just preach through these epistles like we're doing, I've got a few different versions of that title about being better because of trouble or trials or hard times or struggles because it is a common part of the Christian life. So in light of the persecution that was coming from without and the false doctrine that was from within, Paul begins this letter with three encouragements for his suffering friends to help them get their minds right. You know, we talk about the battle being in the mind, and it is. The battle is always in the mind. And I've, I've often thought about that because these these Christians were being persecuted. And it would be easy to say, no, the problem is not with my mind, Pastor. The problem is that I am being persecuted, that I am uh, literally being uh, ostracized, or I'm literally being, maybe, maybe I've even been beaten. Uh, no, no, the problem is not in my mind, Pastor. The problem is with my circumstances, all right? So it could be real easy to scoff at the idea of the trouble, all of our battles being in our mind. But Paul's trying to help them to get their minds right about this and to see things from a different perspective. Uh, in other words, we, they needed, and I believe many of us may need, a paradigm shift. And a paradigm shift, you know, something that got coined about 100 or so years ago, but a paradigm shift describes a fundamental change in our beliefs about the world. A fundamental change in our beliefs about the world that we live in. So we, we see things just totally different because I find it personally, just in my experience, very common that American Christians do not hold proper beliefs concerning trials and concerning troubles uh, in whatever form they come in, trials, troubles, persecutions, Whatever the case may be, American Christians do not seem to have the right world view, if you will, on these trials. And so Paul is offering these three encouragements that's trying to help them to get their minds right, their thinking right. And the first one was what we started off with in this book a couple weeks ago, the encouragement of praise. He was praising the Lord in trials. He was praising the Lord because of their trials. Number two, we looked at last week, the encouragement of promise how that no matter how difficult their present circumstances may have been, the Thessalonian believers had a secure and glorious future. One of the things about suffering things in this life is it's a good reminder that this world is not my home. I'm just a passing by, amen, and passing through. My, le- my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I mean, this world is not our home. And so, uh, so, so we have a, the encouragement of promise, and then tonight... The encouragement of, and I'm kind of combining the two of prayer and purpose because through Paul's prayer, he's trying to pray that they can help find the purpose and discover some of the purpose in our trials, difficulties, in their cases, persecution. So notice First or Second Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12. Wherefore, wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So that very first word we find there in, in verse number 11, wherefore, wherefore and therefore, uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of difference in the word there, but both words make you do what? Wherefore. Therefore. So if you're reading that, what do you got to pause and, pause and do at that moment? Yeah, well, and therefore is an easier one to remember because there, when you read therefore, you need to make sure you know what it's there for. If the Bible says, therefore, blah, 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 pause for a second and make sure and say, hey, do I understand what this is being based on? Because, in other words, you usually go back and read before that and you'll find out, based upon this that we've just discussed, we have this. And wherefore is the same way. But it just doesn't, it's just not as catchy to say to find out what it's wherefore. Doesn't make as much sense. But regardless, the same principle is true. But he's basically saying, and because of all that I've just said, in other words, the return of Christ to be glorified in the saints and to judge the lost, the future prospect of glory motivated the Apostle Paul to pray for his saints. So with, with the idea of the Lord coming again, with the idea of our future, with the idea even of the future judgment of the wicked, Paul says, I am praying for you. That's, that's such a practical thing, isn't it, prayer? We must never neglect a present responsibility because of a future hope. We, we, we can never neglect a present responsibility because of a future hope. On the contrary, future hope must encourage us to be faithful today. And I'll, say, I'll give you a couple verses on that in just a moment, but... You kind of get what I'm getting at, I believe, is that's the people that get so caught up in the return of the Lord. It's like, okay, wonderful. Yeah, the Lord is coming again. So, there, so therefore, well, therefore, you know, I'm going to sell all my stuff and go live out on a mountain somewhere. Therefore, I'm not uh, going to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to live my life anymore like, not like there is a tomorrow because I believe the Lord's coming tomorrow. Yeah, but we've got to live as if the Lord, we've got to live as if the Lord is going to come today, but we need to prepare as if the Lord's not coming in our lifetime. I believe the Lord is coming in our lifetime. I, I, would, I would struggle to be a New Testament Bible, Bible believer if I didn't believe that. Uh, but the fact of the matter is I've got to prepare as if the Lord will not come in my lifetime. Uh, you know, people can do that. I, have you ever, people, people, you know, I can imagine somebody doing that with debt. Well, what's it matter? I'm just going to go into debt and, and I'll just let the Antichrist have it all when Jesus comes. And, uh, well, that might not happen for a little while. It may, but you can't live, we're not to live life with that basis. Notice this, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. The Bible says, wow, <laughs> seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. Just to give you some context there, go back and read the rest of the chapter. He's literally saying, since this earth and the elements, and since this is all, everything now is going to be totally renovated and destroyed, if you will, and rebuilt into a new heaven and a new earth, seeing that this is all going away. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? That's just interesting, right? Seeing that, seeing that God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Hey, man, what kind of person should you be as far as living a holy life today? I mean, it's just, God always comes back to the practical. In that same chapter, he reiterates or says again in chapter 3, verse 14 of 2 Peter, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, in other words, the second coming of the Lord and those things that come after that, be diligent that ye may be found 
of him in peace without spot and blame him and blameless. I read this, I thought it was a good statement when we think about Paul's prayer life. He's praying that these Christians, he's encouraging them, hey, you're going through a tough time, but I'm encouraging you, I'm praying for you, that you'll understand some of the purpose behind it. The, the apostle's spiritual life could be likened to a volcano. Beneath the thin outer crust of his life was a burning, passionate heart for God. Frequently, the volcanic heat of his heart would cause prayer to burst through the veneer of, of routine surface activities. This passage describes those eruptions. These two verses reveal the passionate heart of a man on fire for God. So you could just see as you read, there's these, these times that you'll see the outpouring of his heart. Now, here's the interesting thing about his prayer. Remember, these people are being persecuted. These people are going through trials. These people are going through difficult times. So Paul, prayers for, Paul, Paul prays for them. But I want you to notice something. Paul does not pray for them. I'm praying that God delivers you from this persecution. You won't find it in there. That's not his prayer for these people. Because Paul, his main emphasis in prayer for believers was spiritual growth. You know, and, and again, it goes back. Remember I was talking about the paradigm shift? Uh, I don't think there's anybody here that believes in the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. But I think there's a lot of us that got a dose of it. You know, we... We've got some signs of it in our lives to where we're like, well, well, I shouldn't be sick. I thought Jesus loved me. I should just be able to pray and that sickness be gone. And pray for me that God takes this sickness away. Well, I'll pray if it be the Lord's will, He'll take the sickness away. But maybe God's got something better. Maybe God's got something better. And that's why Paul didn't say, oh my goodness, I'm praying that this persecution gets over for you. He didn't pray that. And so in other words... The spiritual growth was the emphasis. The eternal is the emphasis. So right away, we start seeing uh, the hints of this prayer and this purpose. He's, God is revealing that the, that the spiritual growth is the emphasis. The, int, the intimate phrase, I like this as it goes on. So not only is he not praying for just things to get better, and there's nothing wrong with praying for things to get better. There's, there's nothing wrong with praying for someone to get well. But what we got to understand is that God, God has better plans. And if, if, if we don't think the better, we may not think the better plan is for someone to stay sick or to get sick or whatever the case may be. But God knows better than we do. Now, I don't know if there's a more obvious statement than that today but I'm telling you, is it not true that sometimes we struggle with that? God knows better than me. Yeah, but I just think that God should do this, or I just thought, well, okay, well, but God knows better. And here's the thing. Here's the great part. This leads into the next part. So, so he's not praying that the persecution goes away. Here's what he's praying. He's praying, wherefore, also, we pray always for you. I'm praying for you. That our God would count you worthy of this calling. Now, pause right there because there's a great reminder. Our God. Our God. Two little words, but there's an emphasis there. The in, it's an intimate emphasis. Our God reminds us that God is not a distant, 
indifferent tyrant, but a tender, loving, and caring father. And whatever it is he's allowing you to endure, he is allowing you to endure that because he's got a greater purpose and he loves you. And... And, and, and so he's praying for them. He's praying, I understand, our God. But he says, uh, praying for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling. So the first thing he is, so in this prayer, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. But purpose is revealed in here because he talks about being worthy. I'm praying that through this, you'll be made worthy. And, well, and again, that could be a confusing statement, right? Well, but Worthy? But basically what's going on here in praying about their worth is he's, re, he's reminding them, he's emphasizing God's grace, God's grace in their calling. He's emphasizing that, well, basically he's emphasizing what you would find where the Bible says that the trial of our faith being much more precious than, than of gold. The trying of our faith being much more precious than gold. So I'm praying for you to be found worthy in the sense of when we go through the fire, I think I used the example last week, it's, it just gives the picture of a, the, the reason that our trials and troubles and persecution may be likened unto to a fire is because when it does that, oftentimes it's speaking about that purification process. You know, and especially the purifying of a metal, of a gold, of a, of a silver, what it is, how, how that the heat brings out the impurities. But ultimately it makes... The, the metal more valuable in, in the process of all this. And what he's emphasizing is that God is working in their lives. And here's the thing that's interesting. I read this statement uh, that, and, and, and I don't know if I totally agree with it, but I'm going to read it to you see what you think about it. Trials do not make a person. They reveal what a person is made of. Trials do not make a person. They reveal what a person is made of. Now, I believe there's truth in that, but I, I tend to believe that it's through that process when we see what we're made of, the more we learn to have dependency on God and find those areas to where He helpeth our infirmities. He helps us in whatever our weaknesses may be. And so the trials that we go, go through reveal that. Um, so when, when our faith is tried... He's basically saying our worth is revealed. Good, look at 1 Peter with me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. I believe that may be on the screen here, but it's, I've got a few verses to read here. But if not, uh, find it in your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of the Lord of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance undefiled that fadeth not away, who are kept by the power of God, uh, through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of the Lord of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, 
In whom though now you see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. But again, I, I just I meant to read those verses last week, but those verses really put into context the idea of going through difficult times. God certainly knows our hearts before our hearts are ever tried, before we ever face any fire. But I'm telling you, we don't always know our own hearts. And sometimes it's troubles and it's trials that reveal what's in our hearts. We've talked about that before. Has anybody, has anybody ever had something come to the surface during a trial, during a temptation, during a, a difficult time that you didn't know was even there? an anger, a frustration, an insecurity, and a, a selfishness. Let me tell you, that's life. And the reason we continue to go through trials is because God is trying to continually help get some of that stuff out, reveal that to us, let us confess it, and confess our great need of Him, and then Him help us and empower us in our, our humility. Because... We, we indeed see those things come to the, per, come to the surface. Um, so do, when it's understandable to be frustrated, sad, down, when you see like, wow, I cannot believe that came out of me. I cannot believe that thought just came to the surface. I can't believe that those words or these actions just came to the surface. Um, Hey, that's fine, but it's time to move on and say, Lord, but thank you for revealing that which is truly within me. And God, thank you for the reminder of how sinful I am, but how holy you are. And I just pray that you'll, you'll, you'll just take this dross right off the top and make me a better person for it. Because that definitely happens in trials. Um, Let's see here. All right, so 1 Thessalonians chapter, this is 1 Thessalonians, not 2nd, but 1 Thessalonians 3, 3, the Bible says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that ye were appointed thereunto. I, read, I don't know if you remember that one when we were in 1 Thessalonians, but that might be a verse that you want to get familiar with. That no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we were appointed thereto. You got trials, you got troubles, you got a fire. It was an appointment. You may not have known you had the appointment, but God had the appointment for you. And it's an appointment that you might would just assume miss or forget about or whatever else. Uh, you don't even have to call and confirm this appointment. Uh, I mean, uh, you've got an appointment. Yeah, but there's a good God. Now, here's one. This is an interesting thing to point out with in 2 Thessalonians. We're going to see later, if you go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 15, and I'm not going there right now, but what you'll find out is sadly some of the Thessalonian believers were not walking worthy. Because in an ideal world, the way it works, we go through a trial, that which is within us comes to the surface, we confess it to God, we get it right, we're, we're closer to God, we're stronger, we're better, our, de our dependency upon Him increases. That's the ideal world. But let me ask you this, is that how you always respond to trials? Because here's the thing, what happened with some of the Thessalonians 
in Thessalonians chapter 3 is this was the crowd that through these trials, man, uh, these dudes, uh, they literally said, okay, well, apparently we are going through the tribulation period right now. That's what they thought. Uh, apparently that's what they thought. And so when you put two and two together, it seems as if these people quit working. Can you imagine? Somebody calling to work, Chris? Uh, yep, not coming in today. Why not? Well, because we're in the tribulation period and there's no point of whatever. Okay, well, what about tomorrow? Nope, not coming in tomorrow either. And literally, there, it seems to me that, that there, were an, there were enough people in the church doing this to where... Uh, and, and then they were, they actually begin, then they begin to be a burden to the other believers. Because now they're not working, so now their families are running out of food and stuff. Can y'all be a blessing to me and give me some food? You're not going to want to miss that message, amen? Um, because in that same passage, Paul says, hey, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Don't feed those jokers. Basically, paraphrasing. Anyway, bottom line. Some of them, some of them, their faith failed, if you will. Some of them, they did not come forth as gold. Um, so we'll get there when we get there. But, but it's just interesting that that didn't manifest. And, and, and again, we don't always come forth as gold either. But praise God, God still works on us because we're his people. And that's what we see here. But anyway, look at, uh, uh, so, so you praise. I wonder, you see a purpose here. You're going through a trial. Under, I'm praying for you, and I want you to see through the, the prayer that I'm praying for you, there's a purpose. God's trying to purify you. God's trying to make, he's trying to increase your worth as a child of God. And then number two, he's praying for them in, in regards to the purpose of their walk. Look at the second part of verse 11. And fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That's interesting, ain't it? I'm praying that in the midst of you being persecuted, all the goodness of God's pleasure just continues to work in your life. And you're sitting there like, there ain't no goodness of God's pleasure working in my life right now. I'm going through a tough time. But he, but he leads up to what it is. The work of faith with power. The work of faith with power. See, what happens is character leads to conduct. And Paul prayed that they might have a resolute will empowered by God to do what God wanted them to do. Obedience and service do not spring from human talent and efforts, but from God's power as we trust in Him. Look at verse 3 of our text here, of, of chapter 1. He says, We are bound to thank God always, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you. So right there, he linked faith with love. In verse 4, he says, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith. So now he's linking patience and faith or endurance and faith. Now he's linking faith and power. In other words, if we believe God, we will receive his power in our lives. We cannot be victorious in tribulations if we only trust ourselves. We must trust Him. We can be victorious as we trust Him. Have you ever been, you know, maybe traveling or something? I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I don't even know if they do this anymore for those of you that uh, mess around with electrical stuff or whatever. Uh, 
But you know, like you go to a hotel or something, or you're staying someplace, and just say you plug your phone in, and you're, you plug your phone in, and you're waiting for the, you set the alarm to go off in the morning, uh, you, you plug it in, you check it, it's charging, you go turn the light off, you wake up in the morning, and your phone's dead. And you say to yourself, well, wait a second, it was charging. How did my phone die when I had it plugged in? Well, what happened was that switch and that outlet were on the same circuit, whatever. But, but when, you, when you cut the switch, when you turn the switch off, it turned that outlet off. He said, what's that got to do with anything? Well, I'm just simply trying to say this and use this illustration. It's easy to trust a source, a, a, to trust a source of power without making sure that the switch is on. In other words, when we go through trials, it takes faith to turn the switch on. We must believe God. We must have faith in Him. Paul was praying that his friends might have the switch on, that their faith would be activated, that they could receive power that they needed to endure the suffering of God Almighty. But he's saying, this is going to come out in your walk. And again, I think about this, I thought about it last week, and I just thought it was, it was just a cool thought to me. These persecuted believers, if they were, were going to receive this message, we talked about it last week, where were they going to have to be in order to receive this message? They had to be sitting in church. Because this was going to be read as they gathered in church. Now again, I say in church. In church could have been someone's home. In church could have been out in the wilderness somewhere. But when they met together as a church, but that meant they had to come to church. So that meant that these people were being persecuted. But where were they at? They were still at church, right? So their walk, and that's one of the things that, that I see in people so often. Going through difficult times, going through trials, going through burdens. And man, they're just like, Pastor, I feel so weak and I feel, you know, I just barely made it and, I, and, and, and on and on. But I'm just like, but you're here. You're here. You know, and, and I can see God working in you. And that's kind of the, the prayer and the point that he makes here. And then lastly, their witness. Their witness. Verse 12 says this, That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus, according to verse 10 of this text we looked at last week, the Bible says he's going to be glorified in us when he returns. But he's also saying that, we can be, that we're going to be glorified in him when he returns, but that he will be glorified in us as we endure trials and as we stay faithful through the difficulties that we face in this life. How in the world does this happen? Well, he gives it to us right there. How is it possible that for us to glorify God in our troubles and our trials? Well, it says right there, according to the grace of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. It is through, it is in and through Him. Grace and glory always go together. And so do suffering and glory. If you think about it, Jesus, before he ever could wear the crown, he had to bear the cross. And it's a similar situation with us. We have to carry the cross. We've got to take up our cross daily and follow him. Um, you know, the Christian life isn't just, hey, the Christian life's wonderful, isn't it? 
I mean, there's no other life I'd rather be living. I tell you right now, I'm so thankful for being saved by the grace of God, called in the ministry, nothing else I'd rather be doing, and nothing else I'd rather be than born again, saved by the grace of God. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's always for the faint of heart, does it? Uh, I read this today, and I didn't think that I would include it, but I'll include it the best I can from memory. Um, insert laugh track there, but... I was, uh, but I was reading about the Pony Express. Pony Express. Anybody know how long the Pony Express went for? Roughly a year and a half. Can you believe that? As much as we know about the Pony Express, it was about a year and a half. I think it was 17 months because the, the telegraph came in right along then, so they didn't need that mail to get sent from you know St. Joe's. You could get from St. Joe's to the West Coast. Was it San Francisco? Uh, or Sacramento maybe, uh, but you get ten, 10 days, I mean lightning fast, 10 days your mail could be there. But, but it was for that. How are you going to get guys to ride, the, ride for the Pony Express? All right, uh, I think every 15, 20 miles they'd have to tr change horses, so they'd be, they'd be post along the way for them to change. They rode hot, they rode hard. They had to ride in, uh, I believe they had to ride with no sleeves so that they could ride faster. They didn't need anything uh, encumbering them. And the advertisement went something like this. This is, I'm giving you a lot of this from memory. But the, but the advertisement was something like this. Uh, we need uh, skinny, uh, wiry fellas, I believe was literally the advertisement. Um, and basically willing to face cold, heat, uh, death, it was pretty, and then, and then I think the last statement was um, orphans preferred. Yeah, no family because there's a good chance you're going to die, and if you do, it would be easier on the family. And you say, where do I sign up, right? <laughs> where do I sign up? But you know, I, I read that, and then I thought this, what about the Christian life? I mean, uh, it's a wonderful life. It really is. It's a blessing, but it's not always easy. Church life, not always easy. But you know, uh, and we need to understand that. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. It's hard sometimes. But you know what? God's faithful, and he's got a purpose in it. And, and before there's uh, glory, there's often suffering. And, and then it leads to rest, ultimately. Because that was a part of the prayer and part of the reference going back to the wherefore, the rest that we enter into. There is a rest for those of us who trust Christ and seek to live for His glory. For the Christian, the best is yet to come. When we allow the truth of God's Word to fundamentally change what we believe about the world. I'm going back, I'm trying to go full circle on that. Paradigm shift. I don't understand if... God loves me, why would I go through this? Man, you need a paradigm shift. Because the question is, if God wouldn't let you go through it if he didn't love you. I don't understand why God just doesn't do everything the way I ought to think they ought to be done if he really loves me. Because he knows better than you. I mean, you know, I, I use the example often, but I just, uh, you know, I think about a little era running around now, man, just... So much fun. A uh, little granddaughter, you know, she's uh, 
I don't want to be one of them people that says 14 months, you know, but she's she a little over a year old. Um, <laughs> don't make me do math if I ask you how old your kid is, okay? Um, but anyway, uh, but she, she's about a year and a couple months old, you know, and uh, but so she's walking around and she's getting into stuff. Well, there's a lot of times she don't understand why we don't want her to get into this or get into that and, and why we don't want her to just go running up the stairs by herself and down the stairs by herself. Uh, she don't understand all that, right? But, but somebody that's loving is not letting her have her way all the time, right? Somebody that loves her just is not going to let her have her way all the time because she don't know as much as us, all right? And how that, that, there, So there's a pretty big gap. You don't even have to be all that smart of a person to be smarter than a toddler or an infant. You don't have to be that sharp at all just as a person, but there's still a pretty big gap there. How much greater is the gap between you and God and between me and God? How much greater is that gap? What did he say? That our God, going back to verse 11, that our God would do this, that our God would do this. He's your Father. He loves you. And He's not going to do it the way you think He ought to do it all the time because He knows better than you do. And, well, I don't understand why He's letting me go through this difficulty. Well, I don't either. I don't. But I know He's a good Father and we can trust Him. And to me, that's a big part. I'm praying for you, Paul says. I'm praying for you. I want your minds to be right. I want you to understand some of the purpose in what God's doing. Some of the purpose. What's part of the purpose? Some of the purpose has to do with our, uh, with our walk, with our worth, with Him making us into what He'd have us to be. And then also with the, uh, what, let's see, our witness. Because through our trials, people are able to see what Jesus is doing in our lives. Amen? You, you ever do that? You ever try to be a blessing to somebody that's going through a tough time? Hey, I encourage you on that, by the way. I, it's a part of my job, uh, right? I say job, but it's a part of my job. It's a part of something I do. I'm with people during some of the toughest times of their lives. I'm with people during deaths and sicknesses and horrible announcements. And, um, and that's not a fun thing to do, but... But I, 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 I'm thankful to be able to be there with people during these times. I, I really am. But, man, but, but at the same time, it can be kind of a fearful thing, right? Oh, gosh, I've got to go talk to these people. Uh, uh, I, I, I got a call one time, and somebody, it, you just, it's, my life is so much fun uh, and, 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 a, and an interesting adventure sometimes. But, you know, just get a call. Uh, Pastor, I need you to come out here right away. This is going on. Okay, and I jump in my pickup, Dan, and I'm off, and then it dawns on me about halfway there. I'm like, well, what do they want me to do? You know, like, I, I'm not, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. But, but here's the point that I'm getting to. It's so often when you're worried about, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, was, I was talking to Ryan about, you know, being prepared, especially like with me being gone at certain times or whatever, and just those times that you have to go into a difficult situation. Hey, mom's dying and we need somebody here right now. Well, that's no, you know, what am I going to do? But it's crazy when you go in and you see the grace of God. That's what I'm trying to get to, the witness. It's not always this way. It's not always this way. It's sometimes very difficult. But there's so many times that you're like, man, this person just found out a terrible diagnosis. This person just had a terrible loss. I don't want to have to go talk to this person. What am I going to say? And you really don't have to say too much because you walk in there, Dan, and they're just praising the Lord. 
And they're just saying, you know, I know that things have been difficult, but boy, God is good. God's faithful. Hey, if, you're, if you ever want to encourage, if you ever want to get encouraged, call Ron Allen when he's having a bad day. <laughs> I'm not joking. Call Ron Allen sometime. Man, Ron, I heard it's kind of a tough day today. What's going on? You all right? Man, I'll tell you, God's just good. Well, didn't you just get out of the hospital with this, that, and that? Well, yeah, but you know the Lord, I tell you, it ain't he good, preacher? Yeah, he's good, Ron. In other words, you, it's just awesome. You see the worth. You see the light. You see the witness. And, uh, and, I, and I, I hope I can be that kind of person. I'm not always that kind of person, but I hope one day I can be the kind of person that through trials you can see Jesus in me because he's saying that's one of the things that he wants to be. All right? All right. Well, Lord, we thank you so much for the trials that you trust us with. Uh, I pray that you would help us to, to have a paradigm shift, to see these things as they are. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll uh, help us just to trust you and to love you. And we do look to you, God, because we know that ultimately, God, our lives are in your hands, Lord. And help us, dear Lord, as in this journey, we draw closer to you. Yeah, our troubles, God, they manifest things, Lord. They manifest our need for you. But hallelujah, you also prove yourself that you're enough for those times. We find out that we need you. And we find out that you're there for us, uh, that you will be glorified in us. So we thank you for that. Bless us and help us as we depart. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.